welcome back to Vandenberg Flash Focus, your source for fast and focused analysis on foreign policy and national security news from around the world. Today, we are turning our focus back to Israel, which is now well into the second month of military operations against Hamas. I'm your host, Samuel Byers, and today I'm pleased to be here with Elliot Abrams, who has had a distinguished career in foreign policy spanning the Reagan, Bush, and Trump administrations. Most recently, he served as U.S. Special Representative for Iran and for Venezuela. However, these days, we're happy to have him here at the Vandenberg Coalition as our founder and board chairman. Elliot, welcome to Flash Focus. Hi, Sam. I'm glad to be doing this. Glad to have you with us. So we last discussed Israel on Flash Focus with Rich Goldberg right after Joe Biden's visit to Jerusalem. That was quite some time ago at this point, and a lot has happened since then. The IDF has moved ground forces into Gaza. There was a temporary ceasefire. Uh, some, but not all of uh, the Hamas uh, hostages Hamas has taken uh, were returned. Uh, can you give our listeners a brief update on what's happening in Israel and Gaza right now? Yes. The war continues. Um, the Israelis have moved south. They are essentially in control of northern, the northern half of Gaza. Uh, the fighting is very tough. Um, and they are losing soldiers almost every day. Um, a lot of thinking is now going into the question of whether, first, there will be another ceasefire and hostages, more hostages might get out. But secondly, and more generally, a lot of thinking about uh, how does the war end and what happens the day after. No doubt American officials are talking about that with the Israelis when they um, travel there, as just about everybody seems to be doing. Secretary Austin, uh, Secretary Blinken, Jake Sullivan, uh, some generals. Um, so there is a there's a lot more thinking about the future, but the war is by no means over. And the notion that, oh, well, there's only a couple of weeks um, is, I think, completely wrong. Can you tell us a little more about that? What do you see as as kind of the next logical steps or the, the likely course of action going forward? I think the current stage, which is the ground war, uh, probably has another month to go, maybe to the end of January. Um, after that, I think uh, what Israel is likely to do is uh, be doing more targeted raids going after the Hamas leadership uh, and going after the launching sites. It's maybe amazing, but two months in, um, there are still rockets and missiles being shot into Israel uh, by Hamas. So while uh, Israel has cleaned out the north, it has still not been able to stop uh, the firing of rockets and missiles by his by Hamas in the south. So I, I understand you just returned from a trip to Israel. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your visit and what was the mood like among the people you spoke with there? Yeah, I, I got back about 10 days ago and the mood was first d determination with respect to Hamas um, to eliminate Hamas as a military threat to Israel and to eliminate its leadership. Uh, second, 
there's a lot of discussion of Hezbollah. Um, Hezbollah troops are right on the border in violation of uh, Security Council Resolution 1701, which, which said uh, after the 2006 war between Israel and Hezbollah, only Lebanese army troops and UNIFIL, the UN force, south of the Latani River. But Hezbollah is all over South Lebanon. And that is why towns and villages in the north of Israel are basically uh, deserted right now because people are afraid that Hezbollah will do what Hamas did in coming across the border. So there's a lot of talk about what's the next round. Will there be an Israel-Hezbollah war? Uh, my own sense of it is um, Hezbollah is not going to start that war. They're afraid to start that war. And Israel's not now either because they're concentrating on the southern front. And if there is going to be that war at some point in the future, uh, it will be after uh, people have been able in Israel to go back to their lives for a while. Reserves have gone home. The economy is recovering and military stocks are fully replenished. So I don't think that's uh, right around the corner, but it's on everybody's mind uh, who, with whom I spoke. Uh, so it's interesting that you, you know, you focused on uh, on Hezbollah and, and kind of on the other um, uh, possible uh, future course of action, uh, you know, beyond um, uh, Hamas and Gaza, uh, opening the aperture a little bit more. Can you walk us through how over the past two months uh, this war has been affecting Israel's relationships with its other neighbors, um, the Abraham Accords and the Middle yeah. East more broadly? Well, it's an interesting thing. Um, with the exception of Qatar, all the Arab governments hate Hamas. And though they don't say this publicly, they want to see Israel really um, destroy Hamas as a military force. Uh, Israel's uh, normalization process with Saudi Arabia was halted by this war, but not forever. I think it's clear from the public statements of Saudi officials that they want that to continue, but they can't do it right now. So I think what might have been a 2024 uh, event maybe is a 2025 event. There's a delay there. Uh, Israel's relations with Egypt and Jordan, uh, which go back to the peace treaties there decades ago, uh, remain, um, I wouldn't say close, but there's a, there's a lot of security cooperation, particularly now with Egypt over what's going to happen in Gaza the day after. Of course, the, the most striking thing is the attack by the Houthis. Mm -hmm. um, which I think nobody really predicted that they would try to stop shipping going up to the Suez Canal through the Red Sea. When you look at the big picture, I think the big picture is summed up in one word, Iran. What the Gulf Arabs are worried about is Iran. The funding for Hamas comes from Iran. The funding and arming for the Houthis, Iran. The Shia militias in Iraq. Iran, Hezbollah in Lebanon, Iran. And I think there is um, a clear realization by both Israel and the Arab governments that what they're dealing with here is not a profusion of little groups. They're dealing with 
Iran's proxies and Iran's efforts to change the Middle East. So uh, in that sense, um, you know, with regard to Iran and uh, with regard to, uh, you know, the particular uh, situations um, you just mentioned, uh, what should uh, folks in Washington be looking for uh, to get an indication of, um, you know, how this war might eventually end, how um, uh, the situation with the Houthis might end? And, and what would you recommend for, uh, you know, for American policymakers? I think today we have the Obama-Iran policy, which was, after all, the Obama-Biden-Iran policy, so it's not so shocking. Um, But it's a policy of doing everything possible to avoid any confrontation with Iran. So for three years in the Biden administration, there have been constant attacks, dozens and dozens, I think we're up into the 80s now, 85 or so, attacks on Americans in Syria and Iraq. And we never make Iran pay a penalty. On the contrary, in these years, uh, the economic sanctions on Iran are really not being enforced. And if you look at Iran's economic situation, it's a lot better than it was three years ago when President Biden came into office. The fruit of that, I think, is seen in these Houthi attacks. It doesn't work. The only thing that'll work is making Iran pay a price, not just its proxies. We aren't even really making the proxies pay a price. I gather from the press that there is serious consideration now that the United States and allies might hit these Houthi uh, launchers, the places from which they are attacking ships in the Bab al-Mandab in the Red Sea. Uh, And I hope that's true, because unless they pay a price, they're not going to stop doing it. So I, I would like to see, uh, and I think it's fair to say most Arab governments and the government of Israel would like to see a tougher U.S. policy on Iran, because they are clearly behind all of this. They are the, uh, they are the armorer and they are the financier of, of these um, terrorist groups throughout the Middle East. And until they pay a price, they're not going to stop doing that. So I think I think basically this policy, which goes back to the Obama years and the JCPOA, the nuclear deal, is the wrong policy. And I think we can see now uh, in 2023 uh, that the product of it has been a richer, uh, more aggressive Iran with more aggressive proxies. Does the uh, I'm going to ask you one one last question. Uh, does the um, you know, we've gone, like you mentioned, from the Obama policy to a much Trump, uh, a much tougher Trump era policy and now back sort of to the the Obama uh, uh, Biden policy. Does the solution perhaps, you know, for a future Republican administration, is it to go back to the, the Trump era, you know, maximum pressure policy or, or has the oscillation back and forth? Has it changed the game? Is there a is there a new direction or is there an amendment to the, the kind of Trump era policy? Uh, that uh, that you would recommend? I wouldn't recommend much change. That is, I, I'd start from the idea that if you want Iran to stop doing these things that are so terrible, the support for terrorism and terrorist proxies, then Iran has to pay a price. In the Trump administration, the price was, first of all, 
a big sanctions campaign, an effort to really hurt the economy of the regime. And then secondly, at one point, the killing of Ghassan Soleimani, the head of uh, the IRGC Quds Force. Um, I think we need to go back to a policy of making Iran pay some kind of price. We've tried under Obama and we've tried under Biden, uh, essentially um, seeing if, if loosening the pressure works. It doesn't work. So I, I would go back to, we used to call it the maximum pressure campaign. You can call it what you like. But I would say if Iran doesn't pay a price, it will continue destabilizing the Middle East in ways that really harm the United States and our friends and allies in the region. Elliot, thanks so much for joining me today. Uh, it's a pleasure to do it. And Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And thank you all for listening and happy holidays and happy new year. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, rate, and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Flash Focus is a production of the Vandenberg Coalition. To connect and stay up to date on our work, follow our account on X at Vandenberg Co. Or visit www.vandenbergcoalition.org to learn more and subscribe to our weekly newsletter on foreign policy and national security beyond the water's edge. Until next time, I'm Samuel Byers, and this is Vandenberg Flash Focus.